A very different show about gadgets on Resonance FM 104.4. This is a different show because unlike most, we don't focus on the new shiny, shiny things to buy. Instead, we focus on the value in the stuff we already have. The Restart Project aims for a shift of behavior towards a more sustainable and happier relationship with electronics. Our monthly community electronics repair events here in London called Restart Parties are just the beginning. My name is Janet Gunter from the Restart Project. And I'm joined by Ugo Valari, my partner in crime. Hello. And Max, uh, co-founder of Demand Energy Equality, a grassroots energy education project. I know. Um, in this episode, we're going to talk to Max about his hands-on work teaching people with basically no technical background about solar and renewable energy. He's doing some really excellent things. Um, but first, we're going to talk about two things that happened to us this week. Um, we always talk about an anecdote or two um, in our life using technology. Um, so, Ugo, tell us about uh, some you, – you want to talk to us about cables. <laughs> yes, it's an issue that we all are affected by. So I imagine everyone has a home, a little box full of dusty cables that represent previous generations of electrical and electronics, or at times even current generations. So this week, we got two different people who got in touch uh, at an event and one over email and asked what to do with these cables. They were very eager to donate them to us. Yeah, people try and dump them on us. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, you know, we are just popping up in all kinds of different community environments and we can't really carry with us all these cables because each one of them is very light but a box full of them is very heavy I promise you. So we give people advice on not throwing them away not recycling them when that's not necessary but actually take giving them a second lease of life a bit what we do with our um, electronics and so the advice for cables is First of all, you can put them on one of the typical platforms for reuse. So Street Life or Street Bank or um, Gumtree or FreeCycle. Or um, the other thing you can do if you leave, if you live not far from an Emeo's uh, charity shop, it's a charity um, that actually takes donations of such cables and tests them to make sure that they still work and they're safe and resells them for a few pennies. So if you do need a cable that you don't currently have, it's a great place to go look yeah. for them. Excellent. And if you have too many, that's a good place to get rid of some. Yeah. No, I've seen it. It's like a grab box that they have. And that's a really useful resource, actually, in the community. So yeah. thanks for that tip. And uh, Janet, I've heard that you had some very frustrating experience with a peculiar type of smartphone this week. Yeah. So at the uh, restart party in Kilburn, um, I worked with a woman who said she had never really been online. And this was her first mobile, um, and she I believe she bought it from EE. It was a mobile with kind of big buttons. It was an Android phone. It's manufactured here in the UK. I don't really want to shame the manufacturer because I, I feel this is a bigger issue than just the manufacturer. Um, what I found was that the phone desperately needed um, some kind of update or solution for an Android-y problem. Basically, it was probably Google Play services related, and we've seen this in other 
device, Android devices. Yeah, at times they require some mysterious. Some message update. comes up that's just like, no, you're never going to understand what that is. So I tried to perform the update. There was an update for the platform uh, for the um, for the phone. It failed. Then I tried to do a, a factory reset after saving her precious photos. Um, that also failed. And it's just like I, this was a device designed to get older people who are a little bit um, wary of getting on the Internet and a little bit intimidated by technology online. And for me, anyway, it failed in that purpose completely. And it has me wondering and questioning, you know, what what is the best way to help people uh, get online? And maybe um well it, it, it's it's a tough one because maybe a laptop is better but then that requires internet access in the home or nearby so but it's just really had me thinking about whether android in and of itself is the best solution to get people to include people bring them online it um, seems to have failed in that respect definitely. despite all attempts and alternative mobile platforms in this case ios seems to come to mind seem to have been much more proactive in making things easy for people with special needs or making it simple for people who might not have much of an existing knowledge in that respect. Yeah. So, um, but this gets back to the whole issue of kind of inclusion and, um, and that's, that's essentially also Max's project in some ways to get people involved in issues that are a little bit intimidating out of their reach. So, Max, um, tell us uh, about Demand Energy Equality and what you guys do here in London. Yeah, so uh, Demand Energy Equality, or DEE, as I'll call it from now on, uh, started in Bristol in 2011, I think it probably was. And it was, uh, at the time, really a glorified hobby of a, of a friend of mine, uh, of our university I studied in Bristol, called Dan. <clears throat> and he discovered that you could pretty easily patch together your own solar panels uh, using some pretty simple skills. Uh, using PV cells, so these are the components, the active component, the active ingredient, you could call it, of solar panels, which are the bits that take sunlight and you know, kick out electricity on the other side. And if you take these PV cells uh, from industrial processes, where they've been wasted or there's some defect with them, you can get them relatively cheaply and using some fairly simple bits of circuitry, you can build up a, a solar panel. And the point uh, of doing this uh, for Dan at the time was not so much, you know, I can build my own little solar empire, but I can use these skills as a way of uh, engaging people in discussions about energy and, and trying to demystify things a bit. Uh, and yeah, I kind of bumped into Dan one day when he was running one of these and it went from there really. And we, we built up a little, a little community uh, interest uh, company. Uh, which is non-profit in Bristol and, and sort of built up some of the workshops he did and we did a couple of uh, much sort of bigger impact public art installations using these skills working with um, different community groups around Bristol so we can talk about that a little as well but that's the that's the general idea behind what we do. And so you uh, but you're still hosting workshops in London and, yeah. and, and in Bristol so tell us about what those workshops are and how people so the how people can get really involved and hands-on with with uh, solar and PV. Yeah so in the workshops we run we've two sort of main formats that we run one is uh, DIY solar PV or build your own solar charger and that can usually usually runs every day we can chop it and change it a little bit but that's the standard format and people come in starting from absolute zero quite possibly in terms of any 
background in terms of the skills we, we learn or any of the scientific concepts that underpin what we build. And we take them through those basic scientific concepts. So we do lots of games around current and voltage and resistance. Um, these games are quite fun, I promise you. They don't sound <laughs> fun maybe, but they are. And uh, we then introduce people to soldering. It's one of the key skills involved in it. Uh, you know, series circuits, parallel circuits, this kind of thing. And by the end of the day, uh, you've got a group of 10 or more people who have pieced together these uh, off-cut PV cells. And, you know, they're all jumping around because they've put a solar panel over a, a sodium lamp and their little battery bank has started flashing to tell you that it's it's charging. So, you know, it's, it's a really nice journey that people go on through the day. And by the end of it, they've learned probably quite a lot of stuff. But more importantly, hope, hopefully we've... Um, you know, push the door a little bit more jar into them going out and learning more about energy. And, and you know, it's a, it's a big, complicated topic and uh, we need more people to be engaging in it. So that's the idea. I mean, there's something about your work that looks at the much broader picture. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it, even in the name of the organization, Demand yeah. Energy Equality. Yeah. So can you tell us a bit more about yeah. where does that fit? Yeah, so so just alluded to, en energy is a big thing and it's not just a technical Term. It's not just a technical category. And a lot of the time, you know, it, it is a technical conversation. And clearly, there's lots of technology involved in producing and distributing energy. Um, but it shouldn't be uh, restrained to only that area with, you know, there's politics, of course, underpinning energy, or rather, perhaps there's energy underpinning politics. We have uh, all of the social outcomes of the way that we use energy and access energy. Life today looks very different to the way it looked 300 years ago, and the discovery of fossil fuels has a lot to do with that. And the transformation of energy infrastructure, um, and along with it, hopefully, structures of ownership and the behaviour that we have as as people uh, towards energy and the interaction with it, it, it within that is the potential for things to... Um, to change quite radically. And no one quite knows how that's going to happen. But you're seeing the way in which certain technology is coming online now, wind and solar predominantly at the minute, are starting to disrupt existing business models. But we also can't just expect that they are going to do the work on them you know, by themselves, right? We, this is a social process that can, that can perhaps take advantage of technological, te technological changes that are occurring. And so what we try and do is situate the you know the demystification of, of the technology by literally you know letting people build it up within a bigger context of you know the, you know, the bigger contours of, of 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 what's possible and where we've come from and where we're trying to go and one of the key messages we get across to people we, at least we try to get across to people is that in in order for an energy transition of the kind that we actually maybe want to see where we end up uh, with a really low carbon or even zero carbon energy system and one that doesn't put people in fuel poverty and one in which ownership is distributed and when there's more democratic control of the way energy is produced and, and distributed. If, we, if one of the elements of achieving that is reassessing our own relationship with energy and realizing just how much of it we use, So and maybe everyone can see why we're why we're we have Max on because yeah. it's our projects are quite quite similar. Yeah, they're and very similar. I think. Yeah, well, one of the things I really like about um, the, your project is that it has that hands-on aspect, and that it it uh, it just inevitably has people question um, their relationship to these larger systems. Not necessarily put you know they don't end up blaming themselves for everything, but in fact it's an empowering thing. It's like that that they can have a role in 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 being part of a, ch a, ch a bigger change. Um, 
And it's the the part I think is most also important about your project is that it sounds really fun. Mm. Um, <laughs> and you know, we think that people. We also think that you know, fun is a really important. You know, it's it's one of the biggest assets we we have. Is um, and 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 in the end, it's not about guilt. It's just about um, that learning and and making and doing can be fun and can be transformative. So. Yeah, so I just came across a really cool little video on your website that kind of says it like nothing else. <laughs> um, so I'd like to feature a little contribution from Aisha, who's a person who took part in one of your um, workshops. Yeah, I've really learned how to, um, even how to just use a solder, is it? soldering iron. Soldering iron, yeah, it's been really amazing. Really amazing. A really great experience as well. I mean, I didn't even want to take lunch. I was so eager just to see how many panels we could get finished. But yeah, I've really enjoyed the day. I really appreciate the fact that. So it, it's fun and it's engaging, and uh, there's some soldering element to it, which yeah. I guess there's some demystifying that needs to happen. Yeah, the soldering element is it's pretty core. Cool. Obviously, you can't you can't build up an electrical circuit without it so you really have to you have to get your head around soldering we have to learn the art of it in the workshop and uh, you see all sorts of different approaches to this and you see all sorts of different attitudes from it some people take to it like a duck to water and others kind of sit there for the first hour blinding and cursing but you kind of have to take a different approach and make sure everyone gets through and ultimately people always make it and i think that's the one really uh you know, technical skill that people take away from the day that they can say, you know, I learned how to solder and I built a solar panel. So definitely and, empowering. And even the circuits that we were joking earlier about how we've all had, we all had some form of, of basic education about electricity and circuits in maybe in primary or middle school. In my case, we, we learned to draw circuits. We maybe even learned to make a circuit and turn on a light bulb, but somehow that's just in the, the very recesses of my mind. I never, I never really applied any of that. Um, do you think that that uh, that that some, there's also some important uh, kind of almost like electrical uh, education that that happens? Like, um, do you think people leave with a slightly less um, uh, fearful relationship with electricity from your workshops? Yeah, I think so. In 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 terms of it as a as a broad concept, I mean, mm-hmm. we we go into you know only what you'd call basic detail, I guess, about the different kinds of circuits. But, you know, we talk about series circuits. We don't we don't try and patronise people. We go into mm. what the differences actually are. And as I said, we play games that mean that people at least have uh, a kind of experienced metaphorical understanding of what electrical current is or what voltage is and, you know, how these things relate to something called resistance. And I think that, yeah, they may not remember every single detail, but they would go away feeling like it wasn't such uh, a black box next time they came up against something that was, yeah, electrically related. And, and there's also another area that kind of connects with what we are working on, which is uh, the fact that you're using a lot of scrap materials, materials that were otherwise destined to be yeah. thrown away. Yeah, so we, over a few years, built up a relationship uh, with a manufacturer that was a global company that had a manufacturing um, or an assembly plant, I should say, for solar panels in Wrexham, which is in Wales. And, you know, there's different supply chains, but the one that, you know, we kind of got in on was whereby PV cells are manufactured in China. That's basically where they're all made um, and transported over here. And then they were assembled into actually finished solar panel units on, you know, in the UK or in Germany, perhaps, and then distributed. And of course, some get damaged. Some of them might get damaged quite obviously, like a little chip. Some of them might have, to the eye, no 
no problem at all, but maybe they didn't pass some stringent test or the batch they were in didn't, so they get discarded too. And uh, they, yeah, they would be discarded. I mean, they might go into some secondary market as well. If you go on eBay, there's quite a big secondary market for solar PV cells. So they're not impossible to get hold of, but by getting in without having to go through the secondary market, we managed to get them cheaper. And ultimately, that plant actually shut down about two years ago. And so we got their final stock, effectively, um, for way, way below what it was probably worth. So we've been very lucky to have the opportunity to, to you know, have this uh, amazing resource to run the workshops and, and be able to keep them as low cost as possible when we're working with groups, you know, target groups that, um, that we seek out. Yeah, we've we've over the years we've seen not actually not too many. I think people tend to give up on them. These kind of um, throwaway solar chargers mm. or um, s- solar devices and chargers that seem to be made um, with a non-replaceable battery with a casing that is destroyed by with any repair. Um, so for us, we, we we see some of those consumer um, uh, products as as almost problematic. It's it's a way in a way it's almost like the worst of two things. It's this supposed to be green, but it's actually a throwaway product. Um, I'm wondering, well, I think definitely your project gets around that because precisely as Ugo was saying, you, it's, a, it's a secondhand uh, PV cell and, it's, and, and people are involved in making it and, um, and they feel a, sense, a real sense of ownership. And in fact, they may feel empowered to fix it mm. or hack it or... Um, but you know, I, I, a lot of what you talk about is energy literacy, and I'm kind of curious how how um, how can we move beyond this? Ki- yeah, this kind of this notion that we just buy something, like again, that we just buy something, um, or that we just install something, um, and then our mm-hmm. then our problem is fixed. So how do you make that leap mm-hmm. to like to the to the collective issue and the issue that of of needing to as you say, decentralize, have mm. more control over energy infrastructure? Yeah, it's a, it's a really in- interesting and live question at the minute because, um, I mean, for people who may follow the industry, uh, energy industry news a little more closely, there's a lot of talk at the minute about something called demand-side response or de- demand-side management on the electrical grid, which basically means getting people to change when they consume electricity. And if you're going to do that, then, of course, you're going to need to start engaging people in why on earth you might be doing that and so even and that's you know that's that's that kind of idea is is around in academic circles and uh, you know in government policy so this is you know not necessarily just a grassroots thing this is some of this is quite top-down stuff and so these these challenges to engage people uh in energy both at the grassroots and at the top are 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 there and i think what we're trying to do with the workshops is provide a space where by getting hands on the as you say the demystification happens and you you just have that confidence to go in but you can't necessarily scale that you know we we need a lot of money to run workshops and a lot of pv sellers in every community across the country and i think some of it is going to be by taking the technologies that are out there that have that decentralized capability or that potential and you know doing it at community level and you've seen quite a lot of community ng organizations that have set up bricks and energy being one of the most famous but this has happened across the country whereby solar co-ops are created and people are given some kind of stake in local energy infrastructure um or if they're not a member of the co-op they might come into contact with it through uh you know schools workshops that the co-op is running or someone they might know might have an apprenticeship with some of the funds because these co-ops have more than just a single bottom line they're interested in doing social activity as well so i think the more that we can get 
projects going that have you know practical utility in terms of moving our infrastructure mm-hmm. forward at a local level the yeah. more likely we are going to be able to actually get people thinking about what an earth energy is and, and how they should think about it differently. And are you able to connect, you know, workshop participants with initiatives locally? I mean, is there in, do you often refer them to get more involved or to... to yeah, to, yeah, absolutely. So mm-hmm. we definitely see ourselves as uh, playing a bit of a gate, or not a gateway, role, kind of signposting role. So, you know, if we see people who are interested in this, that and the other, we, we put, them, put them in touch. And we've, and we've got quite a few relationships with those local energy groups. Yeah. Um, particularly in South East London, we're building a, a solar trailer with South East London you about that. Yeah. Community Energy. Um, so they wanted to basically build something that could replace diesel generators at community events in South East London um, and potentially you know, bring them some revenue to, to their co-op. They've just put solar panels on four school roofs in Lewisham uh, or South East London, more widely than Lewisham. And uh, so they got in touch with us and said, could we maybe build it with them? We did a joint funding bid and got the money. So we're about to, uh, you know, we've just started ordering in some parts. We're about to start building it. So hopefully in about a month and a half's time, we'll have uh, a, you know, DIY uh, community built solar trailer to roll out across South London at community events and not just use it as a replacement power source, but also use it as an engagement tool, which I guess goes back to what I was trying to get at with this, you know, taking it down from the top and and doing stuff more practically at lower levels, giving that impetus to learn and get engaged. Well, we've done outdoor restart parties, so we'd be quite interested in uh, yeah, in joining forces and having you power one of our events eventually. Yeah, <laughs> get in touch. <laughs> Excellent. And how can people find out about your uh, upcoming events? So the easiest thing to do uh, is go on to the website, which is dee, so that's delta echo echo, uh, org, dot uk. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter, of course. We've got uh, open public workshops on February the 20th in London and March the 19th in London. And there's also going to be some subsidised workshops that are also just open to the general public uh, in collaboration with the Science Museum in Bristol, called at Bristol, uh, in May and June. So, yeah, maybe hop on the mailing list to keep abreast of those or, or follow us on Twitter. Excellent. Brilliant. And actually, I wanted to talk about something that is related to, to your work. So you mentioned the challenges with... Um, uh, soldering uh, at your events and uh, um, so we, we've been reading this week about some interesting developments in this area there's a new product being currently developed it's called Miso Glue which is quite interesting because it could potentially revolutionize the way we solder potentially putting soldering uh, to pension as someone has said uh, soldering which is an activity that's been going on since 5000 years before uh, Christ is that how yeah. it's said BC yeah. <laughs> so it's it's quite fascinating and at the heart of this uh, it's it's a glue uh, prototype glue, which has already been patented, by the way, um, that is being developed um, uh, by uh, Northeastern uh, University in the United States, um, where Professor Hanshin Huang and his colleagues managed to create a product that can be used to um, joint uh, pieces of electronics at room temperature without require any soldering. And now that is very interesting, not just because uh, soldering is hard and complicated, but also because the amount of heat applied can be harmful to the existing circuits that you use for soldering. So potentially it has applications even at manufacturing, 
where it could reduce failure rate due to uh, the very micro soldering that's required when you're manufacturing electronic devices. Well, but I mean, obviously for for amateurs and beginners, um, it's also pretend it's even more interesting that maybe the idea that you could you could uh, you know glue to fix a problem instead of um, hot soldering. Um, also really interesting i don't i i haven't done all of the reading i know it has nano properties and i don't know how how they how what this glue is actually made of yeah it's very interesting so it's due to um well the powerful um characteristics of nanorods i never heard of nanorods before um so nanorods are as Wikipedia helps us with here, um, are one morphology of nanoscale objects, which means that their dimensions are really, really, really tiny and can only be obtained by synthesizing metals or semiconducting materials. And so the point of uh, this work is that uh, they have indium and gallium, and when these two elements touch uh, each other, they create a liquid. And that is how you can create uh, a connection without requiring heat, because there will be this uh, liquid that's created and makes it possible to uh, use just room temperature to connect the dots. Now, obviously, that someone... That does sound exciting. But uh, one of our volunteers did make the point of uh, how long does it take to dry mm. Yeah, we don't know that, and we need to find out more. And it's true that if you need to keep completely still for minutes, waiting for this to um, get perfectly um, finished, uh, it could be a problem. But we'll see what developments uh, will occur in this area. It could be that in future, uh, Max, your workshops and our workshops look quite different if we're we're no longer soldering, we're gluing. Yeah. That sounds interesting, Ugo. And yeah. Um, well, you've been listening to Restart Radio. Um, Max is just one of uh, three special guests we'll have on the show this month. So join us live um, every week on Tuesdays at 1.30 p.m. You can find out more about our events. We have a number of events coming up um, on our website, therestartproject.org. We have a restart party in Kentish Town on February 10th and another one in Tooting on February 20th. Um, and at our events, basically, you can get help with your sad and broken electronics or electricals. Um, we like to say you can bring anything with a battery or that plugs in. And we see all kinds at our events. So um, definitely get in touch if you have any questions. Um, uh, we look forward to seeing you at one of our upcoming events. Um, Thanks very much. And we'll see you next week. (laughs) Thank you.